All right, guys, welcome back to the Savage Class Podcast. Presented by Clutch Points. I'm your host, Point Cover. With me, as always, my co-host, Dylan Reagan. We have uh, made it to the second half of our 2022 NFL previews as we go through division by division, break down the uh, win totals, uh, ceiling, floor. Uh, then we pick some uh, awards uh, for division MVP, breakout player, fantasy MVP. For each of these divisions, so we've already done four of them. Um, and now, Dylan, we move to the back half, and well, we move to what's probably going to easily be, I think, the toughest division um, in the NFL with the AFC West. And good luck trying to figure out how this thing's going to unfold, because my goodness, this could be um, this could be very entertaining to say the least. I'd say we've talked about this division more than any other one this offseason, just says most fans and media have because of all the influx of talent that and given already you know we already had Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert we already had a Raider team that made the playoffs last year now you had Russell Wilson you had Devontae Adams these uh the Chargers making some big moves in the draft Chiefs reloading a bit but some some really exciting players that we're going to talk about here so yeah I mean it from top to bottom like you said got to be one of the best it's the best division I think in the league right now but in terms of like the last few years we've talked about Years of the AFC North was pretty high up there with uh, its depth. The NFC West, obviously, um, at certain times as well, where you feel like all four teams can make the playoffs. I feel like that's exactly where we are here. It's interesting to think that, you know, it's possible that all four make the playoffs, but very unlikely. So, I mean, even even getting three teams in like the NFC West did last year with the Cardinals, Rams, and the Niners, it's, it just doesn't happen that often. So one of these teams that has high expectations. I think all these teams are going into this year thinking they can make the playoffs. One of them for sure is, I mean, not for sure, but most likely with this, with how, how they're going to beat up yeah. on each other is most likely going to end up not getting in. And it's, it's a decent chance with two because this whole conference is stacked and it's, it's crazy how good the, I mean, look at what Justin Herbert did in that last game, just putting the team on his back against the Raiders last year. And they still fall short. I, they've definitely attacked some weaknesses um, and, and are trying to, to not let that happen again but yeah overall can't i mean it just feels like all these games between these teams should be primetime games and if they're not i'll definitely be tuned in and i'm sure red zone will be focusing on them quite a bit too i think they're all pretty like premier matchups and uh, couldn't be more excited to talk about them today yeah no more evidence needed than uh looking at the projected win totals for all four of these teams and knowing that two games separate these four teams in terms of the highest projected win total and the lowest projected win total. So that kind of shows you um, how little room for error they could be in this division with these four teams. And we're going to start with the team uh, with the highest one, and that is the Chiefs by a narrow margin, as the Chiefs uh, have a 10.5 as their projected win total. Um, You know, obviously things are going to look a little bit different on offense without Tyree Kill there. We talked about kind of the wide receiver group going to be led by Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, Marquez, Valdez-Scantley. Uh, they're going to lead the way. Uh, obviously, you've still got guys there that Cole Hardman, Sky Moore comes in. Travis Kelsey, of course, is going to be uh, your leader in terms of the guy that probably gets the most receptions, uh, as usual. But still going to look a little different. And um, I think, you know, there are certainly some pieces that will be plugged in on defense to try to help them out there. Um, two guys we know, rookie-wise, uh, Trent McDuffie, George Karloft is going to be plugged in as well um so you know a very i mean still let's be let's call it what it is still a very talented chiefs team Mm -hmm. there's a reason why they're projected to win the division um but you know questions maybe more so on the offense than we've had in recent years you've got a largely unproven wide receiver group minus travis kelsey um and you know i think that's going to be something that a lot of people are talking about 
with them. Um, what do things look like? How do things kind of shake out at the running back situation? Which I feel like they've got all kinds of running backs there. You just don't yeah. exactly know what the you know the timeshare anything like that's going to be with Edwards, Hilaire, McKinnon, Ronald Jones got brought in as we know. So that becomes more interesting. But Dylan, you know the one thing I'm going to mention here: ten and a half is the projected win total for the Chiefs. Their schedule is absolutely mm-hmm. brutal. Um, you and I talked about it before we hit record. Their first eight games are against teams that will, unless something, you know, unless there's a significant injury, all eight of these teams will be in the in playoff contention. That is at the Cardinals, home against the Chargers, at the Colts, at Tampa Bay, home against the Raiders, home against the Bills, at the Niners, home against the Titans. And then after that, it's like you get the Jacks for a week, and then you got to go play the Chargers. Then you got to play the Rams, who won the Super Bowl. Then you got to play the Super Bowl runner-up, uh, the Bengals, on the road. This schedule is brutal. And to be honest with you, that projected win total is at 10.5. Normally, with the Chiefs, like I'd be like, oh, yeah, they're, they're the team that can get to like 14 wins or something, right? There's, I'm not, I can't do that this year. Like This schedule, to me, looks too brutal. I think there's more questions with the Chiefs this year than we've had going into the season, maybe in the past several years, I'm going to say, like, I'm even, I'm telling you that, like, I'm, I'm looking for 12 wins here. Like, I'm trying to yeah. find, like, this is such a tough schedule um, that, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go to 12, but I think that's certainly as high as I'll go. I mean, I'm going to go down to nine for the Chiefs. I'm going to go nine to 12, uh, which I know that nine is going to be like, oh man, like, that's probably like a, in the AFC, you know, you don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but I'm going to go nine to twelve for the Chiefs because, to me, not that I don't think they'll be a, a good team. It's just I look at the schedule, man, and I am like, if the Chiefs are four and four eight yeah. weeks in, like I wouldn't be shocked at all because it's just a brutal start to the schedule. And then again, it's not like it really eases up that much in the back half, knowing that in the back half you still got the Chargers, uh, two games against the Broncos, the Rams, the Bengals and the Raiders, and I think three of those games are on the road. So, yeah, not easy, man. No, I, I mean, it's kind of a similar tale last year in terms of they had a pretty tough start to the year, went three and, I think, three and four in their first seven games. Uh, everyone was really worried about the Chiefs. They obviously figured it out, but there were some games in there. Yeah, they beat some good teams also, but they had some games in there against the teams that I just don't think are at the level – that they were a year ago. You just look at, again, we're talking about their division, how much the Chargers have attacked their weaknesses. Raiders maybe a little retooling on defense, but they added Devontae Adams and still feel pretty good about where that team's going. The Broncos obviously a much better team with Russell Wilson there. So just regardless of the other games on their schedule that are not out of the division, these interdivision matchups just got way tougher. Now you add in, like you mentioned, those games against the NFC West. I mean, in itself, that is a tough matchup still as much as it is for those NFC West teams, it is for the AFC West teams. And uh, overall, I mean, this is a team that has, for all the things that I still want to be optimistic and I still am optimistic about, they did lose like a lot of pretty important players. Uh, they have a in their football outsider section of the Chiefs preview, they, they have the most, like the biggest change in the last at least like 22 years in terms of mm. biggest loss yeah. in DYAR, which is one of their stat, kind of accounting stats. It's not like a rate stat like DVOA, but it, it gives kind of gives you numbers that are like correlated to total passing yards and things like that. And between guys like Tyreek Hill, Williams, Byron Pringle, even guys we don't think about as big. I mean, these guys still had played some big uh, snaps, and obviously Tyreek in himself, just so much value that you're you're really expecting a lot of young guys to fill in. I I am really excited, and all the things that have been said about Sky Moore, 
going into this season and through training camp about how just fantastic he's looked. The things about we've talked already about Juju Smith-Schuster's fit as a possible fantasy sleeper and how he should have probably better numbers going into the season. What Mark Mark Valdez Scantling can do. It's not like he's going from uh, uh, Rodgers to a slouch here, but with uh, Andy Reid calling his plays and Mahomes from the ball. So I think they have some interesting things. This offensive line is really good. Uh, I, I probably in the top top three top five unit overall creed humphrey still really sad that the rams didn't take him a year ago he's quickly become one of the top if not the top center in the afc um it's the defense i do still it's, it's always the same thing we talk about this team they yeah. last year they finished 24th in dvoa and i'm looking at the the starting unit and if you have you, you, some of these guys stay healthy if carlos dunlap can you know play up to what he has done in years past and stay healthy what chris jones can do when he's on the field it's just the secondary in the middle of that spine of that defense isn't exactly intimidating. Obviously, no more Tyron Matthew. You're expecting Trent McDuffie to immediately contribute day one as a starting cornerback there. I mean, it's just not that you look at that secondary and you think about some of the teams they're going to be facing. They really are going to need Chris Jones, George Karloftis, the, the other first-round pick they have there, and guys like Frank Clark, Carl Stenlap to create some pressure, create some havoc because – Man, the teams they're facing and the quarterbacks they're facing, I just I am concerned about that. I I think that it's like we're like we're going off the top of the episode. Someone's going to lose some games that they feel like they should win. Yeah. I, I think it's going to come down for a lot of these teams. There's not going to be a ton separating how good they are um, outside of some of the you know, obviously guys teams that have a Patrick Mahomes. It gives you a big edge, but I think it's going to be who wins those close games. The Chiefs last year at times lost some and then they started winning them as the year went on the defense kind of had a hot stretch in the middle of that season they got lucky facing the Packers the one game Aaron Rodgers missed right so I, I man I, I in terms of the the ceiling I think you're right there with 12 I mean they went 12 and 5 a year ago despite that slower start but I just I don't see them uh, I, I believe the year before they, they uh, the last season was 16 games I believe they went 14 and 2 um, I just I have a hard time picking that with the schedule it's just 14 and 3, 13 and 4 seem really tough. Maybe 13 is the absolute ceiling if the defense really comes together. But I think 12 is a better bet. They're only, uh, you know, again, the mean projections from football outsiders always kind of go down to the middle. So if you're a better team, it's going to be lower. If you're a worse team, it's going to be a little higher than you might expect. Their mean projection for wins is nine. It's because of the schedule you mentioned. They have the, they don't think the defense, they think the defense is even going to take a step back from 24th a year ago. They think the offense will still be elite. But I think all those things in play, yeah, I think nine wins. It has to be the absolute. I mean, it's it's possible if they if they go like two and eight, if they go if they pull a Vikings and go really struggle in those one score games, uh, it, it could definitely happen. But I I wouldn't predict that. I think the ten and a half number it is suppressed a bit already to the schedule and the, uh, some of the guys that are they're going to be trusting rookies and guys they've lost because um, I mean years past is probably like twelve and a half I would have guessed last year. So they just finished under that. I would. I think that ten and a half number is perfect because I, if I had to really make a pick, I think ten and seven or eleven and six are the two I'm I'm like teeter tottering between. So I, I think you nailed it though. Nine is the floor, uh, ceiling twelve, maybe absolute uh, double decker ceiling thirteen. But I don't, I have a hard time seeing them winning more games than that unless they just go eight and zero in their one score games. Right, like they're gonna have to really outperform. Uh, that play and it, that defense just I, I don't know it's it's still that Achilles heel that I I think that they're making the right moves for the future Chiefs maybe next season um, and the year after that and some of the things they've done and some of the young guys they have in place and what their plan is but there's a chance this year with all the influx of talent in that division it's going to be tough for them to to keep this what they've won the division at least six years in a row I know they've hosted four straight AFC title games but uh, yeah I don't know it might this it's going to be a tougher season to get that done obviously 
Yeah, I, I said 12. I'll be honest. I think 11 may be the better number. Um, yeah, I just don't I don't see them reeling off that many wins with the schedule and more questions than answers maybe at some of these spots right now. So we'll see, though. It's the Chiefs. When you have Mahomes, we know that can account for several wins exactly. you shouldn't get. <laughs> yeah. um, so they, they will steal a few uh, just because they have him on the on the field. So, um, yeah, that is that is also something to think about when you're looking at that total. So uh, 10.5 for the Chiefs, like we said, a very narrow margin over the Chargers, who uh, have a projected win total of 10. Um, so neck and neck here for that top spot. And uh, when you look at the Chargers, obviously a lot of positive momentum uh, surrounding that team at the moment. Uh, when you look at, again, what Justin Herbert was able to do last year, um, we saw them take such a, you know, such a jump. And when you look at this offense, kind of the, you know, the stalwarts are still in place. You've got Justin Herbert, you've got Austin Eckler leading the way. You've got a guy like Isaiah Spiller coming, you know, that I think will be able to also help them out uh, at running back. You've got your usuals with Keenan Allen. Mike Williams uh, are going to lead the way there. So that helps out uh, a lot. Uh, certainly, you look at the defense, you know what the playmakers are on that side of the ball as well. Um, there's a lot of star power there on the defense. And, yeah, I mean, there's <laughs> there's just a lot to like about this Chargers team. Um, you know, to me, I know there are certain areas that, you know, they will, they will need, you know, maybe to get better in. But they feel like a team that is moving towards, like, total package at this point. Uh, and really, you know, building some things that they can lean on game in and game out and kind of put themselves above a lot of other teams. Now, when you compare the Chargers schedule to the Chiefs schedule, yeah. Dylan will point out the stat, uh, it is much different. That is meaning that the Chargers, at least on paper, don't have an easy schedule, but they have a much, you know, more lenient schedule, I think, when you look at it. Because the difference is, you know, the Chargers are going to play teams of course, um, you'll get the, what do we say, the AFC South and... South um, and the NFC West. NFC West, that's right. The the luxury for the Chargers is that, you know, when you look at kind of, you know, getting the Jags and Texans early in the season, getting the Browns, you know, without Deshaun Watson, we know officially now yeah. that game's going to take place early in the season. So that's a big swing. You know, you get the Seahawks, who by all accounts I think will be one of you know, the worst teams in the NFL, just mm-hmm. my personal opinion. Um, get the Falcons, uh, you know, games like that. Get the Dolphins at home. Yeah. Uh, you know, get the Titans at home, right? Like some of those games that you know could be swing games, well, they're going to get some of those at home too. They get the Rams at home. Uh, so, which, you know, that's both L.A., but still, um, it is <laughs> yes. something, you know, that you kind of look at and, and understand that it is mm-hmm. at least something that you look at on paper and you say, all right, that schedule feels a little bit more manageable, actually a lot more manageable, maybe than the Chiefs. So that is something to consider with them. So that's why, like, with the Chargers, I don't – I tell you, man, like, I – and we always say, right, like, we pick this number barring a, a big injury to the top player or something like that can certainly make your number go mm-hmm. different. I'm going to go 10 as the, as the floor for the Chargers. Wow. I think that that's the lowest I'm going to go with them. Um Again, I know they're playing in the AFC West, but I think I'm going to set this number as 10 as the lowest height just because, you know, they are going to play some tough competition in there. I'll go 12 as well, just like I did with the Chiefs, but I'm going to go 10 to 12 for the Chargers. I I, I think there is a, a path here when you look at their schedule. I just think they're going to win a lot of games, and I think it sets up pretty nicely for them to be, as the projected win total suggests, right there at the top, challenging the Chiefs for the to the AFC uh, West title. 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, this it, I know that still the, there's a, there's this thought process about what the Chargers have been and how they haven't with, lived up to expectations. But it's a different world with Justin Herbert. It's a different mentality with what Brandon Staley has built. And while maybe you could say that they, I, I know I, I think they attacked some of their problems, but they didn't. You know, I think Sebastian Joseph Day. I'm a little biased, and even guys like Morgan Fox that have played for the Rams and both of them. I think that really he's going to really fit the scheme better for what Staley wants to do because. You could say when you look at this defense, and and they, you know, they're ultimately undone by um, giving up too many yards on the ground and not being able to stop teams when they knew they were going to run. No, no better example than that last game against the Raiders. But it was a story all year. I mean, against the, when they lost to the Patriots, they gave up I think almost 200 rushing yards. When they lost to the Texans, Rex Burkhead looked like the best running back in the league. I mean, that I still have concerns about their overall defense. But when you have an offense with Justin Herbert. You know, if you can cut out some of the mistakes, for all the things that were said about those losses that they did have, the teams that they probably could have beat last year, I would say he had some weird plays and some bad turnovers at certain moments. But I think he's just—you saw it in that last game, but you see when in those big moments and just over the course of the year, I think he's and another year of experience, another year in this offense, and with all the talent they have, I I do think he's going to have a really big season. I don't think he's going to probably make as many of those mistakes. We know in terms of his um, football IQ that it's right there with some of the top young quarterbacks in the game. So, you uh, you know, as much as the run defense is a problem, I think when you bring in a guy like J.C. Jackson, I, you know, I, I know that some Patriot fans think, and it's true to some extent, guys leave the Pats and they do not perform to the same level. But J.C. Jackson's isolated numbers and what he was able to do, I mean, he was just a stopper. He Almost a tad underrated by the end of it, maybe by the end of his tenure, at, yeah, with some of the guys they've had come through, like Stephon Gilmore and other corners over the years. I think, I mean, he was just fantastic. I mean, he was a huge part of that Super Bowl uh, the last time the Pats won the Super Bowl, uh, three and a half, four years ago now at this point. I think bringing him in and that just looking at that secondary overall, I think Bryce Callahan did, you know, didn't have the best performance uh last year but he's had some really good fits in over the course of his career in this scheme that that, that branches from the Fangio uh list of defensive coordinators and different guys so I yeah you look at that secondary it is night and day between the Chiefs I, I think they have a chance to be pretty solid on that side of the ball you mentioned uh it's just if they can stop the run and if they can stay healthy in the interior of that line I think then you add that to an easier schedule you talked about those just so the games that they share there's only a few times where the worst uh home uh, matchup is really in the uh, in the favor of the Chiefs. Most of the the, the shared games, uh, like you just mentioned, the Chargers have better games uh, and better chances. But it's really the it's really those swing games, like you mentioned. It's the Chiefs getting the Bengals compared to the Chargers getting the Browns without Deshaun Watson. It's the Dolphins versus the Bills, uh, and then you mentioned the last one, it's Atlanta versus Tampa Bay. Uh, with what the Chargers get. I mean, th- those three games, I mean, that's just, that could be the difference. Yeah. That could be everything else could be just about even, and then th- that makes all the difference. Uh, the Chargers somehow by, you know, by falling in the end of the season in that last game, the Raiders end up helping themselves with the setup this year. Uh, right side of the offensive line, still think, you know, Trey Pipkins and Storm Norton. I don't know if these guys are the, the best right tackle options, may, just like the run defense, or like they could have maybe spent a little more on this one spot. But I think Zion Johnson's still a good pick that looks like he's going to slot in immediately at right guard. Corey Lindsley, when he's in there, was fantastic. Rayshon Slater was amazing. So they've, they've, they have hit with some of these picks. Uh, maybe the receiving depth isn't insane beyond Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. I obviously love Austin Eckler. I think Isaiah Spiller has a chance to uh, contribute early on. But, yeah, they, they just look like with the, ske- the schedule set up with where Herbert is, 
with a defense probably not being as bad. Um, they have the tenth or the twenty third toughest schedule compared to the like we mentioned Kansas City third. So yeah. that in itself makes a big difference. The big thing with the uh, the defense, they were twenty six in DVOA last year. This is a huge jump. Football Outsiders projecting they're going to be third. I do not know if I would say that, but man. <laughs> Uh, if they were if they were able to get to third, obviously having Joey Bosa stay healthy is a big part of that. Cleo Max staying healthy, um, but if it's I think Kyle Van Noy. They're excited about even what he's going to be able to do um, uh, in this scheme and how he fits into it uh, decently well. Um, yeah, there's a chance that that's defense. Maybe I'm not, again not I'm not saying it's going to be top three, but if it's top twelve, top cl- close to top ten with that offense. I have a hard time going under 10 wins as well, even if it is, you know, they went 9-8 and eight last year. I just have a hard time believing they're not going to at least win one more game, even with some of the tough matchups they do have. Ceiling-wise, it's probably the same as the Chiefs, like where I said the absolute ceiling is 13, but I think maybe the yeah. floor is just a little higher than Kansas City, just based on uh, the schedule is the biggest thing. If you flip the schedules, I'd be saying the opposite, but I think these are, I mean, we saw the two games they played last year, the Chargers win, uh, early in the season going for on like fourth and 13 and converting some pretty pretty crazy plays to win it then in their late season matchup the Chargers could have taken over first place the Chiefs won in overtime a few fourth down plays go differently LA wins that so I mean these teams are just about as even as you could hope for some of the obviously the quarterback matchups have been amazing Justin Herbert early in his career I think his first start may have been when he had the fill in an emergency situation for Tyrod Taylor was against the Chiefs and they almost pulled off an upset win so these, these games have been so fun, and uh, I think the Chargers, yeah, there's a reason for there to be optimism and excitement. I think I, I do think they have the personnel in place that they stay relatively healthy, just like any other team. There's a chance they could be uh, definitely one of the top contenders in this really crowded AFC. Well, the Broncos not far behind them at 9.5. Um, so, again, it's showing kind of the projected win total. Chiefs 10.5, Chargers 10, Broncos 9.5. So right there, uh, I mean, it's just it's insane to think about, but – that is where the Broncos stand, and we know the biggest uh, story for the Broncos is Russell Wilson joining the mix as their quarterback. Uh, finally, it would seem, are going to get some uh, consistent quarterback play, something they have they really needed, yeah. and should bolster that offense. Um, you know, kind of into a, a new stratosphere here with a, a breakout running back and Javante Williams, of course, but Melvin Gordon still there. Um, you've got a an intriguing wide receiver group. I think you and I talked about how good Cortland Sutton was. A couple of years ago, um, you know, breakout candidates still, I think, when you look at guys like Jerry Judy, K.J. Hamler, those kind of guys, um, you know, good tight end unit, I think. And then, you know, the defense as well. You kind of look at the defense. And, I mean, this is another one. Like, this is a, it's a very interesting team in terms of just looking at their roster. And, you know, they've got a new head coach there, Nathaniel Hackett, yeah. who will come in and certainly be able to, I think, change some of the things there and get them on the right track in several, um, you know, positions and areas of, of weakness that they've had in recent years. I think that's something you can be optimistic about. Um, but, you know, I I look at this team, too. Like, you, I like the kind of how the secondary is built. Um, I think the defense is still – I don't know exactly what to expect from the defense, but obviously a lot of the attention is going to be on the offense and what that's able to do to maybe help out the defense some, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just having Russell Wilson running the show – makes it a lot more interesting now um and you know we talk about the schedules we look at the broncos schedule um they're one that you know i don't i wouldn't say i think like the uh, there is one thing that stands out with the broncos schedule. like the back part of their schedule is pretty brutal mm-hmm. uh when you consider they finish the season at the ravens home against the chiefs home against the cardinals at the rams at the chiefs home against the chargers 
I mean, that's a that's a brutal stretch of games. And even before that, um, I don't really know if we have high expectations for Carolina. But before that, you've got the Raiders and the Titans. Um, so not another schedule I don't think is very easy. They're going to get like the Seahawks and Texans to start off. So, you know, that could be a nice 2-0 and start if you can win both of those games. Of course, a big game for Russell Wilson mm-hmm. to start things off uh, in Seattle on Monday night. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, again, it, like I, I think the Broncos will be good. It's just what we, what we keep saying is like where do you find those wins knowing that you're playing in this division and then how can you get some of those wins outside of it? So, I mean, nine and a half to me is – I guess, you know, Dylan, this is another one where, like, I feel like I have to go lower on the floor for some of these teams, but, like, mm-hmm. I can't. Like, I can't go that low uh, with this group because I look at this here and I'm thinking that offense looks like it could be pretty good. Um, I'll go eight as the floor for the mm-hmm. Broncos, and I think the highest I would go for them, best-case scenario, I mean, look, best-case scenario, I'll go 11. I think that, you know, that, again, is everything coming together on the offense. Maybe some of the questions are answered on defense. Um, I'll go 8-11 to 11 for the Broncos because, like I said, I, I this entire division we're going to talk about, like I just don't feel like there's anyone in here that's just going to completely fall flat on its face. Um, and the Broncos, to me, seem like they, they'll be good enough to be right there in the conversation, even if maybe on the surface you put them a little bit behind where the Chiefs and the Chargers are at. Yeah, I think it's just is the offense have the upside of the Chargers and the, and the Chiefs? I don't know. It, it might be. Yeah. I, I think there's a chance that they're going to be really good. I think losing Tim Patrick and what Nathaniel Hackett wanted to do with him in terms of using him in that kind of power slot role that we've been talking about with guys like Cooper Cup and what uh, the Packers want to do with Alan Lazard even more this year. It's just Tim Patrick fit that perfectly. And they were like, you, just such a bummer to lose him. They still have a lot of talent at receiver, but – you know, this is a team that overall also last year, the numbers are interesting in terms of their DVOA was a lot higher than I realized at 12th on offense, but their defense was at 20th, and I don't know if they got better. Yeah. I, it's, yeah. I have concerns. Yeah, it's funny because going in the last season, we looked at that defense, thought maybe this could be a, a pretty solid group, that it could take a jump, and it, it definitely regressed. You know, they bring in Randy Gregory, but just looking at the whole, I mean, Pat Sertan is a, is a baller. I think you do have some really big pieces in place like that that can help you but i just depth wise i think the secondary is still strong but maybe not as strong as years past um and it's just the the interior and the linebacker some of these guys i'm like is this the strongest unit so i and it's just also russell wilson i you know he put up some of i think his worst passing guard since at least his second or third year obviously the the seahawks won the super bowl his second year and uh, were really good his rookie year yeah career lows uh in, in passing guards touchdowns since 2013 and just his other stats, he had he just fluctuated. He had games, and it wasn't just on the about the quality of the opponents. He, he played really well early in the year and at the back half, but he had a middle section of that season. Um, obviously, he had been injured for five or I think he missed about five games. But when he came back, he was not himself. So maybe maybe you can chalk that up to the injury, maybe just inconsistency with what the Seahawks are doing scheme wise, and they haven't been ideal for his skill set. So maybe that will all come together. And I do think there's a chance their offense is still really good. Um, I just I think it's the defense that is the bigger question. They still. Yeah, they have those tough matchups. They get Baltimore in their AFC North swing game. Just the, that, getting that compared to, like we mentioned, what the Chargers get with the, the Browns without Deshaun Watson. They do get some good matchups in the other two swing games, like you mentioned, Carolina and the Jets, compared to having to t- place teams like the Bills. I mean, those things are, they add up. But yeah, it's like, 
like I, it's it's an interesting thing because it's a fine line between this team. If the defense does take a step forward and uh, we expect the offense to, then yeah, this could be a borderline Super Bowl contender. But they're also probably the most popular pick um, along with the Raiders to finish last in this division. I, um, obviously, yeah. the, we look at the betting odds that, that denotes that here, but. Um, I, it's such a fine line between how good they can be. They'll definitely be a lot more interesting than they have been with uh, with Russell Wilson under center and what this offense can look like and what we expect from Javante Williams. But they they have playmakers. I just it's the defense. I, if the defense is where it was like maybe two years ago, I'd be like really a lot more high on this team. But I I just I want to see it to believe it a bit more. I think we started seeing it with the Chargers. I I want to see it with Russell Wilson there. We I, I'm not anticipating necessarily like all right this is. Matthew Stafford going from the Lions to the to the Rams and immediately having a resurgence with his career. I mean, it's not like the Seahawks were not a playoff contender for most of Russell Wilson's tenure. It's not like they don't have weapons um, with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. So um, it's and I've obviously watched him play a lot. I think he against some of these teams, he's going to be just fine. But uh, ceiling wise, I think I'm going to go. I, I feel like I can't go as high as the other teams. So I'll say 11 wins, 11 and 6 for yeah. sure. Yeah, it sounded right where you said that. But I, I think my floor is as far down as, as seven just because yeah. I look at this, uh, you know, the division. If they go two and four in those games and I have to find six more losses on the schedule, it's not impossible to see them going one and three against the NFC West. Now you're already up to seven losses. And I don't know. It's just it, it stacks up kind of quickly. Um, I think you know getting that Baltimore game is a tough swing game in their AFC North matchup for sure. So um, I uh, oh man, I mean I, I would like to say eight is the floor, but I think you know they went seven and ten last year. I don't it'll be a huge disappointment in Denver. I mean the expectations there are so high, and I wouldn't I wouldn't bet that they would go down that uh, that far. Their mean projection win total is nine wins, which is actually even with the Chiefs uh, from Football Outsiders. So. I think a nine and eight, ten and seven season is definitely doable, and ten and seven should get you in the playoffs with the with you know the seven spots. So I think that's going to be kind of the target, and I think it's definitely within reach. Yeah, can, we, can we get a four way tie at ten and seven? I think, in the, <laughs> it's uh, not impossible. In the West. It's, it's possible, right? Yeah. So, well, here we go. As we're going into the Raiders here, who, by the way, they're projected uh, one total eight and a half. Yep. We get some breaking news uh, immediately as we go into the Raiders about uh, they are releasing Kenyon Drake, which I don't think that's a huge surprise mm-hmm. um, based on kind of where the running back situation was at for them. But the Raiders are, obviously, running back's not the talk of the Raiders. Well, I mean, it, it kind of has been. There's been a little bit of drama there, as we know. But the bigger talk is about Devontae Adams coming in and what he will be able to do for this offense. And you and I, who have been on the Derek Carr train for a while now, uh, now he gets a just a dominant receiver, uh, one of the best, if not the best, in the NFL. To join the mix, uh, Hunter Renfro, we know what he's been able to accomplish there with them. Uh, that will be a nice pairing to play off of each other, I think. Um, Darren Waller, of course, uh, one of the better tight ends, more productive tight ends in the NFL. Running back situation, like we said, it's some unknowns, uh, I think, is probably the biggest thing. But again, yeah. when you have maybe the group that they're going to be able to have to, to pass to, you know, yes, you have to run the ball some, but um, I think pass will, will certainly be on the minds of the Raiders uh, when you're looking just kind of the makeup of this team. Uh, on the defensive side, again, we, we know kind of, you know, what Max Crosby is going to be able to do. Um, you know, obviously some guys in the, in the secondary. What does that look like? Uh, Chandler Jones is there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a I mean, come on, right? When you've got Crosby and, and Jones and those guys, and um, you know that's that will be a, a strength as well for this team. But of course, the new head coach and Josh McDaniels, we've seen him 
in this spot before. Um, last time he was in the AFC West uh, did not work out uh, perfectly for him. But uh, and a more wiser man, perhaps, at this point with more experience. And now he's got a great situation uh, stepping into here, like we said, especially with his passing offense. So the Raiders are going to be interesting uh, for sure. And that's why they are, like you said, it's either the Raiders or the Broncos. A lot of people are discussing as the team that could finish last. But I think no matter who finishes last here, again, I, I think they will be a solid team at worst. I don't think there's going to be a bad team in this division. And when you look at the Raiders, now they are one scheduling wise. Um, ooh, yeah, not easy it's either. Um, it's it's a tough schedule, and that's why I think the Raiders are one of those. T- I think the Raiders are the hardest team to figure out in the division to me. And I know some will probably say that's the Broncos, but and the reason I would say the Raiders is because yes, we see all this possible upside for them. You know, their path forward to winning the division or something. But when you look at the schedule, it is a it is a gauntlet. Um, for the most part, especially on the front end and the back end, uh, in the middle there, you know, you got, and we, I mean, we keep saying this, right? Like we keep pointing to the games against the Texans and the Jags, kind of those, those middle games, but quite frankly, like that could be like the biggest three game swing for the Raiders this season. when they play the Texans, they go to new Orleans to play the saints, mm-hmm. play the Jags, actually add a fourth in there playing the Colts at home. Um, that's kind of defining part of their season because they'll need to win a lot of those games. I think because man, you look elsewhere, right? It's the usual, you know, you know you got the Chargers twice. You know you have the Chiefs twice. You got to play the Titans on the road. Um, who else is in there? You got to play the Rams yeah. uh, on the road. You got to go to Pittsburgh to play the Steelers. You got the Niners in there. The Patriots. Um, so yeah, not not an easy schedule for the Raiders. So I mean, what I, I gave the Broncos, what I say, eight to eleven for the for the Broncos. Mm-hmm. I think for the Raiders. Um, Man, it's like best case scenario for the Raiders. I, I'm going to go the same number. I'm going to go eight to eleven for the Raiders too. Um, I think eleven's maybe a little high, but why not? Um, this is the <laughs> AFC West, right? We're just we're just going to go all in on everybody's got a chance to win this division. Yeah. So in that regard, I think, like I said, Chiefs and Chargers, I put at twelve. I'll put the Broncos and Raiders at eleven as their ceiling, um, which to me means that best case scenario, I think every team in this division if they perform to their expectations, feel like they have a chance to win the division. And so I'll keep the Raiders there uh, at 8-11, to 11 too. I, I don't think I would go any lower than that because I, I do think that they will be they will be good enough in some areas, like we said, whether that's the passing game, which mm-hmm. looks to be, you know, will win them some games in and of itself because of the possibility of the playmakers they have there. Maybe it's, you know, the pass rush and a couple of those guys on the defense forcing turnovers, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll go eight to eleven for the Raiders too. I I probably have to say in a similar range um, to what I just said with the Broncos too. I think I, I'm just maybe a tad more negative in terms of putting it down at yeah. seven, but it's just it's the same factor. It's the same teams they're facing. They, they I think New Orleans is a tougher matchup, obviously from the South compared to from the NFC South compared to some of the other uh, matchups that we've seen in this division overall. I mean. It's a team that also last year's. I, I and I. I don't want to be so, super negative because I was so excited about the Raiders being good, making the playoffs. I think it's fun when the Raiders are in the mix. I think it's been a lot. Uh, was a lot of fun last year, and I think this year as well. I still think they're going to be very relevant. But they did down the stretch of the year last year take advantage of some interesting, you know, uh, luck with. Uh, you know, we had the the game against the Browns. It was on like a Tuesday or Monday afternoon. Nick Mullins is playing quarterback. Uh, they beat Carson Wentz uh, when he was starting to really. To go down with his performance for the Colts, they they had this run to get into the playoffs and go ten and seven. Where I mean, they they really 
barely in there with a lot of close wins against not great teams. And you look at they lost. I think you made a good point about the middle of their schedule. I do have concerns about just beating the teams you're supposed to. The good teams, are, you know, you gotta you gotta really punish and capitalize on those weak spots in the schedule. So if they go in that that stretch, I think New Orleans is still going to be pretty good when we get to that episode. But that stretch of Houston, New Orleans, Jacksonville, you mentioned, I'll even throw Indianapolis in there. I mean, you got to go at least. I think you got to go three and one if you want to make the playoffs. Yeah. If you're going one and three yeah, in so. there, or two and two, two and two is probably middle of the road, and maybe that's what we should expect. I mean, this is a, a, you know, despite getting in the playoffs at ten and seven, they kind of outperformed their uh, win projection. Their Pythagorean win projection last year was only six point eight. So I mean, they, they outperformed that by three whole wins. That does not happen often. Um, I still, I, I, I do think Josh McDaniels is going to be. Uh, that's not going to be an issue in terms of getting that offense going. I think with Derek Carr, he had a really good year coaching Mac Jones last year. I think it kind of got on track that he can, you know, previous to that, I think he'd only had really one successful year as a coordinator without Brady, and that was the year after the Patriots went sixteen to zero, and Matt Castle was his quarterback, and they still went eleven and five, and that mm-hmm. offense was just fine. But they had a that was one of the best offenses in NFL history. Um, I think last year he did a lot of good things with Mac that are he can take to a different level with with what Derek is able to do with the talent they have compared to what we saw at times uh, with New England. Even though I, th- I feel decent about their skill position players right now, but yeah, um, between all those guys, Devonte Adams just just matchup problems all over the place between him, Hunter Renfro, and Waller. Those guys stay in the field. I, I the offensive line has to hold up. Uh, it's just you know defense wasn't great it was fine last year and i just i don't know if it you have chandler jones himself as as big of an impact as i think he can have uh game to game and in big spots does that really elevate them to a top tier defense i don't uh, most projections and i wouldn't say that necessarily is the case so you know it's the same thing with the broncos if they're in a different division if they're in the afc south if they're in the even the nfc south with tampa at the top but like um nfc east like there's a number of divisions where these two teams are in and you're like thinking for sure they're right in the mix and they still could win this division any both of these teams but i i just worry about the top end level and the fact that they did get kind of lucky with those qb matchups are they going to get nearly uh, the same kind of uh, luck with health and the, the projections from football outsiders like bore that out exactly they are 8.5 when projected so that is quite literally a 500 record with a set if you had a, if you could make it possible with a 17 game schedule i guess you go eight eight and one in that case then their their breakdown of being either zero and five uh, or sorry zero to wins the five wins and six wins the eight a nine to eleven and twelve plus it's an exact like perfect uh, setup where it's 13% for the lowest there, 37% they're going to have 6 to 8 wins, 37% 9 to 11, and then 13% at 12 to plus. Like they have like this perfect breakdown where they're like almost the, on projection wise right in the middle of the pack. And I just don't know in this division and in this conference if that's going to be enough. So I, I, maybe I even, if I really wanted to be negative, I'd say six. I, I, I don't think they're going to win only six games. I think. At really the floor like you said should be eight i'll just say seven because if they have a little bit of bad luck and um special teams doesn't uh if, if kicking uh, things don't go as well as they did at certain points last year with carlson um and the, the punting game i'll say seven as the absolute floor i think 11 like you said is probably the ceiling i have a tough time going to 12 just with the teams they're facing and the fact they just haven't been again consistent with these um uh, with uh, beating up on the, the bad teams in, in previous years. And maybe the Jags won't be so bad with how Trevor Lawrence has looked at certain times this year. Obviously, we have our AFC South episode next week. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's I want to, I want the, I want to believe the Raiders can get back to the playoffs. And I think maybe um, there's uh, still some things that they can really take a jump on. I think, obviously, adding Devontae Adams, it's such a huge value to have potentially the best receiver in the league on your team, obviously. But 
as a whole unit, if the offensive line just doesn't stay uh, up to speed with everything, I you know I do worry about both units just kind of being good but not as great as they could be, and that it's just not going to be enough in this conference. And when you have the high end possibility of what the other three offenses are facing in this, in this division can be, yeah, it's going to be quite a battle. Uh, I mean, as we said, we talked about these four teams, and we're like, oh yeah, if they're they're what they could be, like they can mm-hmm. all possibly win the division and hit double digit wins, and so. Um, you certainly can't say that about every division nope. in the NFL. This will be the strongest. Uh, I think there's any doubt about that, uh, just based on how the teams are built. All right. We wrap up with uh, our picks for our division MVP, breakout player, and fantasy MVP. Let's start with the division MVP. Here's the deal, Dylan. I think you go I think you go four people here. There are four people to consider. I think that it's like whoever wins the division, if we, if we go with the thought, like, mm-hmm. you know, let's say any of these four teams can win, I think you just pick one of the four quarterbacks. Like, I feel like they're – in good position to do that. Obviously, a Devontae Adams could possibly do it. Um, you know, I, I think that's probably your group, though. It's like if the Broncos win the division, Russell Wilson is probably going to be a big reason why. If the Raiders come from you know the bottom of the projected win total, win the division, their car is probably going to be a big reason why. So, but I'm going to go Patrick Mahomes. I know it's the easy choice, um, but honestly, I think it's almost like he could put up his numbers. I think are still going to be good, um, just because, like we said, maybe the Chiefs are not as dominant as they have been. Maybe throwing the ball quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go Mahomes. I just it's like the easy choice, but again, like I said, I, I think you can make choices for Justin Herbert, um, a lot of these other guys, but I'll, I'll go Mahomes. Yeah, I think that is who I you know if I if you hadn't picked him, I probably would have. But try to keep it a little <laughs> different here. I think that yeah. it's just between these two guys, in my opinion. I know. Yes, I think Russell Wilson could put up some pretty crazy numbers, and if the Broncos win the division, you can make the argument there. Same with the Raiders, but with Derek Carr, I think it's. I mean, at this point, Mahomes and Herbert are not just the two, in my opinion, best quarterbacks in this division. I think they're two of the best in the whole AFC, the whole NFL. Um, I went with Herbert, even if they don't win the division, if they get a wild card. I, I just think there's a chance that with the Another year uh, in the system, another a little bit of improvement with what Zion Johnson can bring at offensive guard on the right side. Still, still really would like them to find a way to get some uh, free agent right tackle to really fill in there, like we've seen some other teams. Uh, just plug in instead of worrying so much about trying to uh, have an internal guy develop that. But I think with all those things in play, with his arm talent, with what he's some of the high level throws he's able to do, and just cutting out some of the mistakes, I I think both these guys are going to put up big numbers. But I'll just go. With Herbert to make it a little different, and you know, got to jump on the hype train. Every it's not an un- <laughs> uh, it's not like I'm the only one. It's there's uh, I, maybe the hype for Justin Herbert, and I'm just adding to it now is a little over the top. It's getting to the point where it's like, is this is he already better than Mahomes? I'm like, what are you talking about? Like Mahomes is just we Hold take on. we take Patrick Mahomes for granted, but I'm just this is more of some things you read on Twitter, and it's like Mahomes is still the the, the standard, and still uh, you know, in my opinion, I'd still take him, but I'll go with Herbert right here as the division MVP uh, in 2022, or at least. <laughs> there you go. Uh, again, he will be a popular choice, and I uh, would not be surprised if either of those guys win it. Like I said, there are a couple other options depending on certainly how the division race unfolds. All right, breakout player. Um, I'm going to go again. This feels like the easy choice, but if Patrick Mahomes is going to be my division MVP, I think he's going to need some help uh, outside of Travis Kelsey. And, you know, like I said, I mean, maybe that's a big year for Juju. I don't think he would probably be considered a breakout player because he's already kind of broke out. It's just yeah. with a new team now, new situation. So I'll go Sky Moore. I think that, um, you know, it's like we always say, bigger receiver on the Chiefs, pretty good chance he could, <laughs> he could be that option or they could all just cancel each other out um, because Patrick Mahomes gets so many people involved. Uh, but I'll go Sky Moore, someone who could burst onto the scene here and, 
certainly be a big part of that offense with, with Mahomes leading the way. Yeah, I think that's a, a really good pick. I think there's a chance that just how they want to use him already, Andy Reid uh, being Andy Reid, how many things he's going to scheme up for this guy and where he fits into what they want to do, not just as a downhill player, but all over the place. I think he can just be used in so many different ways in the offense. So I think, yeah, there's a chance we look back and it's like, well, obviously – I, you know, I'm not anticipating this to be like what happened in Minnesota where you go from Stefan Diggs to Justin Jefferson and it's like you don't miss a beat. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I'm not saying that's gonna he's going to be Tyree Kill 2.0 or anything, but I think he's going to really fit in well to the offense. So I, I, that one makes a lot of sense. I stuck with the Chiefs here with the guy that when we talked in the draft that I was pretty high on as a as an out, uh, defensive end, and that's George Karloftis. He's made some, you know, I'm not trying to react too much to preseason plays, but he's looked pretty dang good in the preseason. And what he potentially could mean to that defense and uh, and overall part of this is too was just looking at this division like we've talked about a lot of inf- uh, a lot of talent that has come from outside that's already been established and has already broken out there's there are other guys on all these teams that yes certainly could break out but you could make the argument that like Javante Williams that he's a popular pick and I you could kind of say that he somewhat already had broken out in my opinion but anyway with Karloftis I just think that if the Chiefs defense is able to be not towards the back end of the league and if they're able to be pretty solid I, you know they're going to be scoring a lot of points the teams are going to be having the pass keep up with them i think if Karloftis can be a, above average uh pass rusher for them quickly i think the value for what they needed yeah i mean it just is a huge huge addition so i'll go with Karloftis having a big year for the chiefs yep i think that's a good choice too uh they will need it i think on that side of the ball so a good choice for that one fantasy mvp my goodness take your pick here um this could be a more than a handful of guys that could emerge. Um, again, I'll go with the guy that I'm not just saying this because he's the highest rated of the fantasy mm-hmm. group in this division, but, uh, you know, I've, I've been on the Austin Eckler bandwagon for a long time. Um, he's won me a couple fantasy championships in recent years, and I'm going to stay uh, right on the bandwagon. Although, like we said, um, you know, I think there's, look, I, I mean, he's just a guy that I think will get so many different options mm-hmm. and a, a lot of, you know, that's the that's a product too of Justin Herbert getting better. As we know, he's going to be involved in the passing game, um, you know, running game. It will be what it will be. I don't think he's going to be the leading rusher in the league or anything, but um, he will certainly have his opportunities there. So I'll go Austin Eckler, uh, high powered offense, uh, easy easy choice for me uh, at least considering him as one of these top options. And he's been very, you know, not for being a huge guy, he's been pretty dang durable. He's, I know he's had some injuries here and there, but he's stayed on the field for the most part. I think he's a pretty low risk uh, at this point. Like in past years, we were like, how much is he going to get? Uh, how many of the carries near the red zone? And we've really seen they've been dedicated to giving him the ball no matter where it is on the field. He no matter what format you're in, PPR, half, right, standard, like he's going to put up big numbers no matter where he is. So I think he makes a lot of sense. I, you know... I, I want to, you know, Javante Williams is kind of like a trendy, trendier pick in terms of like that he could really outplay his ADP, and I could definitely see that. I, I and I, but I'm going to go to someone that I think that you know he's still not too far down the list of receivers that are probably going to be going in your draft, but I think there's a chance Devonte Adams is still number two, number like a top two, three fantasy receiver instead of falling out to like six, seven, where some places are projecting him to be. I think. Uh, yeah, he doesn't have Aaron Rodgers anymore, but he's Devontae freaking Adams. He's going to create his opportunities. He's just, It's a really tough offense to double him constantly in with the other weapons they do have, and they're, they're still going to find ways to give him the ball. So I think there's a chance that maybe uh, the, the expected regression in his numbers is a little over the top in terms of where uh, some people are prognosticating. So, I'll, yeah, I'll go with Devontae. 
as my uh, at ball, ultimately just kind of like I, I think there's a chance both Eckler and him end up being like top three fantasy receivers of their position and or uh, uh, players of their position. And I you know for Devonte, uh, it just kind of depends I guess on the mindset of some teams in your league. I still think he'll go pretty high, but I think there's a chance he's right there with um, you know guys that are going a little bit higher like Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson. I think his numbers could be right next to them. Yeah, I think there's a, a good chance of that. So that's not a bad choice either. Um, and yes, I am not shying away from Devontae Adams in any fantasy drafts, despite the change in uniforms. Uh, he will be a, a top option for sure. So yes. there you go. There are our thoughts on the AFC West. Uh, could be the most entertaining division in the league this year, uh, from top to bottom, when you consider the makeup of these four teams. And of course, Dylan, lots of stuff going on for clutch points to get people ready, not only for the AFC West, but for the NFL season, uh, whether that's from the uh, on-field standpoint, fantasy, all that, uh, you name it, it's all over Clutch Points. Yeah, uh, Clutch Points in the NFL section, if you search fantasy football, we have all of our big top rankings of the top players at every position articles are all there. we got uh, sleepers at every position, rookie sleepers, all sorts of good stuff. So, yeah, all that, all those things are starting to pump out as you hopefully are doing your drafts pretty soon or starting to do your research. You can also yeah, keep up with all of our updates on the preseason, all uh, looking already at predictions for the regular season, all that good stuff in the NFL section of Clutch Points on the app and on the website. Yep, be sure to check all that out there. And as always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, any podcast app you use. Search for Fast to Fast. Thanks as always for listening to the podcast, and we'll talk to you next time on the Fast to Fast podcast.